Welcome back to Hidden Jewels with your host, Julia, and I'm here with my guest, Angel. He's 25 years old, and he is the CEO of Angel Mobile Notary Services. Welcome, Angel. Um, thank you, Julia. I appreciate that warm introduction, and thank you for having me. Yes, long time no see. Yeah, I know. It's been a couple of years. Um, you know, it goes back to Santa Barbara, those Isla Vista days. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we know about those Isla Vista days. Yeah. But, you know, before we get into college, tell me where you're from originally. Yeah, of course. Um, So I am actually a Los Angeles native. I am from the Sela region, if you're familiar with that, Southeast Los Angeles. Um, yeah, my hometown is called, it's a very small place, but if you're from the area, it's called Walnut Park. It's right next to Southgate and Huntington Park. Um, but I was born and raised in Walnut Park. It's an unincorporated area of LA County, falls within the first district, um, represented by Janice Han. And yeah, I was born and raised in Walnut Park, went to Walnut Park Elementary School, then uh, Gates Middle School, Huntington Park High, and then Marquez, and then I went to UCSB. But yeah, I'm from oh, nice, nice. And what was high school like for you? You moved to two high schools? Yeah. So um, right after middle school, they sent me to Huntington Park High School. I was there for two years, but then out of nowhere, they built a new school in my hometown in Huntington Park. Mm-hmm. And they dead ass got half of the students and they told you like, hey, you're no longer a student here. You have to go to the new school. Oh, shoot. So you were the first like class to graduate. Yeah. Yeah, class of 2014, Linda Marquez High School. Um, yeah, we were the gladiators. Go Marquez. Yes. Uh, it wasn't something I wanted. Like, literally, if I could have stayed at HB, I would have. But they literally picked us up. And one day, it's like, you can't go back unless yeah, you have to, like, petition and do this whole process. And I'm like, I'm fine where I'm at. Oh, okay. And was that switch because of your address? Like, you were now pertaining to this new school? Yeah, um, a little bit of both. Um, For example, I know... um. Huntington Park, it was, a, a, it was, a, it was bad. So I think like in 2008, 2009, they were known for having like abysmal graduation rates. Like, I think it was like a 50% at one time. Like I remember walking in there in ninth grade year and they're like, well, like half of you are going to make it. I'm like, oh, I thank you. <laughs> right? Like shit. Yeah. So my freshman year, it got so bad that uh, the LAUSD district decided to reconstitute the school. I don't know if you've heard of what reconstitution is. No, what's that? So our, um, I think it was our, our test scores. You're supposed to score like an API score of like a certain amount. Mm-hmm. And I guess for like five, 10 years, they kept like messing up. And uh, I guess the district got involved where they fired every single teacher who was on there. Every teacher got fired and they hired substitutes. Um, oh, shoot. I did as had substitutes all my ninth and 10th grade year, just different for, uh, teachers every day, every week. Oh um, they're God. trying to figure out their own stuff. Yeah, like they were starting from scratch. Yeah, that's crazy. No, that's interesting to learn. Like, I've never known that about the education system. Oh yeah, and, damn. No, and like that. Wow, you just blew my mind. <laughs> well, yeah. aside from that switch, um, how do you think you felt in high school? What type of student were you? Funny, funny uh, thing. In HP, I was a different student than I was at Marquez. I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> I was a ninth grader hanging out with like eleventh and twelfth graders, my co friends, and I used to hang out with the ISAs, as, as we call them. Uh, uh-huh. I really had the, the full high school experience. Uh, I had, uh, you know, we had the jocks, we had the, mm-hmm. uh, the rockers, you know, we had like little clicks, the soccer players. Um, so that was a yep. full experience. Mm-hmm. 
yeah it's crazy but it's still like that I work at Hamilton and you have your athletes like your nerds like it's crazy but it's it's so beautiful to see like kids congregate and stuff yeah I know for sure um, yeah, and now they're more open. My students had a club rush yesterday and they have a K-pop group. They have a sunshine group. Like, it's so cute, you know, to see all these little, they're, they're so open-minded and I know they're going to change the world. Like, I'm so certain of that. I, I agree. And I also think like this new generation has like different interests. Like K-pop, for example, like yeah. I think that's promoted and encouraged. Yeah, no, and anime is so popular. I'm big on anime, so I'm a Naruto fan. So I people love it. Yeah. Yeah, no. You mentioned you went to Santa Barbara where we met at Step. Yeah. What was your major? Funny story. Yeah. Step 2014. Woo, woo, <laughs> yes. It's been some years already since then. Wow. Yeah. Um, but my major, I actually studied um at UCSB when I applied from high school. I went in as a political science major. Mm-hmm. I did that for two years and honestly I hated it. Like I did not like it. I was like, I felt like it was more like I was trying to force myself to say, like, this is what you have to do. This is what you have to do. But then I was thinking, for example, like there are some classes that I didn't really like, like, I don't know, like statistics of politics or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And it just wasn't for me. So I decided to switch majors my second year, like last quarter, which is very last minute, too. Uh, uh-huh. And I became an English major and I also picked up a minor in professional writing. Oh, wow. So you got to do the professional writing minor. Yeah. I wanted to do that. I didn't find out about it though till after junior year. But what 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 propelled you to do that? English and writing. So I feel like the English part, I had good English teachers in high school. They were always like so encouraging. It was fun. I would always get A's in their classes. I took AP English in high school too, and I passed both the ex- the exams. So I knew that was my strength from the start. Mm-hmm. Um, but then um, yeah, the minor was really I took this writing class. I think it was writing 109, like civic engagement writing. With Dr. Coughlin, uh, Liliana Coughlin. She's at the well, writing department at UCSB. And I really resonated with her because I was writing some very intricate essays about a certain topic that she resonated with, too. I was talking about migration patterns, immigration, and, like, oh, yeah. the American dream and all these, uh, I don't know. But she really liked my writing. And I used to go to office hours with her. And she's the one that told me, hey, you know what? I'm the chair for the civic engagement track. Like, you should submit your application and we'll review it. Like, I think you're a good candidate. So she's the one who told me. My junior year when I went to office hours. Ah, so the teacher saw something in you and that helped you see where you needed to go. That's dope. You saw me on campus. Like we were that close. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, a professor I was really close to was Professor Rios. Oh, sociology. Yeah, he, uh, him and his wife. I used to do, I was a research assistant for Professor Morellis Rios. And just seeing both of them, they're like powerhouses. And then Rio's a very famous professor. I see him all over like LinkedIn. And then I had like one of my friends who studied at Harvard was talking about Rio. So I mean, he's a really- yeah. yeah, no. And I used to work at a high school named Hawkins High. And I he actually, yeah, Hawkins. Like I, I worked there from 2019 to 2021. And he did like a Zoom presentation for the students where he basically like motivated them. Like, look, I know hustling and the streets look school but you need to make school your hustle. And it was just one of those things, like if you could have seen how motivated these kids were, like that's the type of educators they need, you know? Definitely. People that put, you know, yeah, like propel them to become the best version of themselves. I think that's yeah. the best. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And what did you do after you graduated? So 
so right after college or uh, from UCSB, I got a job working in downtown LA area um, at a nonprofit called All People's Community Center. I was a case manager there. And what was cool about that job is I had a contract. My, the nonprofit owned the contract. It was a federal grant for the WIOA program, the Workforce Innovation Opportunity Act. And pretty much I worked at Trade Tech. So I was working oh. at Trade Tech Community College, but I was hired by a nonprofit, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. You were like third party. Yeah, exactly. Oh. I was a subcontractor. That was my title. Oh, that's cool. And what, what led you to switch from that? So honestly, I majored in English and I'm like, it's pretty, I'm not saying it's difficult to get a job there. So I decided to do social work. I think it was more accessible, closer to me. Um, so yeah, I started working at Trade Tech. I was there for a year. What did I, what did I do there? Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the WorkSource centers in LA, WorkSource. No. Okay. So the city of LA, they fund 16, they, I call them employment agencies. Essentially what they are, the city of LA has like 17 scattered throughout LA. And they offer employment services and training services to unemployed and underemployed individuals. Oh, to help you get a job, like temp work. Yeah. Or let's say you need help like with your resume or you need like cover letters or anything. Oh, we have oh, workshops nice. and we like help people. Um, if they need like supportive services for like a job interview, they don't have an interview close, close. We'll like order it for them on Amazon and it's covered with our grants and stuff. Things of that nature. Oh, we help people get jobs, but we don't give you the job if that makes sense oh nice nice and are you still there with that company no so i was there from 2019 to 2020 um i was there for a full year i was a case manager my case population was monolingual um clients because i'm bilingual everybody who spoke spanish was my client which is pretty oh, cool nice. speaking spanish and being able to you know um, help individuals who can't advocate for themselves mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah so uh, i was there for a year and then after my year there, I realized that a lot of people were coming to us and they had problems with legal problems. Like they'll come to me like, oh, like, you know, you know, like they're, you know, treating me bad over here. They're not giving me my lunch break. I noticed a lot of legal problems. Like half of the problems there were like legal problems. Like, I can't do anything. Like I could refer you out, but I cannot give yeah. you, I cannot, you know, like answer your problem. No, and it feels bad to like be so helpless, like when you want to help, you know? Yeah. Um, and so what did you end up doing after that job? So, yeah, I think that was like my foot in the door. I'm the case manager um, working with people. So I decided to um, pursue a paralegal program at UCLA. So I did the paralegal training program. That was one year too. And oh. I got past June. It's usually two years, but I did in, in one year. Yes. Congrats, Angel. So you're going to be a paralegal now? Yeah, so I'm a paralegal now. I started uh, my paralegal role. So I after the paralegal program, I decided that I wanted to get experience. So I started interning with the Christian Legal Aid of Los Angeles. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. And what we pretty much do is we help people with uh, boots on the ground type of legal problems. So let's take eviction, uh, criminal defense, uh, bankruptcy, uh, family mm -hmm. dependency. Mm -hmm. So that really um, was my, it was an eye opening experience. And I decided to um, pursue a role. And right now I'm working as a litigation paralegal, which is crazy work. I work crazy as hours, I have to say. <laughs> oh, shoot. No, that's cool. And what, what motivated you to do like the notary business on the side? Okay. Funny question. So when I was at the paralegal training program, there is this girl um, in my class that she was apparently a uh, notary public. And one time we had breakout rooms on Zoom and I asked her about it. I'm like, hey, how did you do this? She's like, hey, I did this, this and this. You know, like you have to take a test. You pass a background check. Mm -hmm. um, you buy a bond. She pretty much explained to me like the idea I knew what a notary public was because when we were in Ivy and you had to like notarize your lease applications or your housing mm -hmm. applications, that's the only reason I knew what a notary public was. <laughs> Same. <laughs> so then I'm like, 
she told me like, yeah, I've been doing this for some time. It's like four years. And then that that's what literally got the idea in my head. But it wasn't like, I'm gonna jump on it right away. I just knew that was a possibility. So yeah. her name was like Sarah, I think it was Sarah. Um, yeah, she was in my paralegal program. Yeah, so shout out to Sarah for yeah. Yeah. starting your your notary business. And you know, for those who don't know, what is a notary? Okay, a notary is a public elected or public appointed official of the civil law within the county of where they serve. And essentially what they do is uh, they prevent fraud. So one of the main things that we do is we authenticate signatures. Whenever you sign like a document, a legal document, it could be like a lease, power of attorney, a will, a, a transfer of detrust, um, anything that needs like a, a notary stamp. Essentially what the notary does is they confirm that you're the individual, you have to have proper identification that's not expired. And mm -hmm. also you're supposed to like log it, get their thumbprint just in case, you know, let's say God forbid something like bad happens, someone tries to do fraud, it goes to trial. Essentially the, the notary has to provide their journal and the journal entry as part of discovery. So it's like really preventing fraud and mm -hmm. making sure everyone is, uh, is who they say they are. And you like keep all those records, huh? Of what yeah, you notarize? Yeah, I could show you. I have my little like notary thing here. Yeah, essentially it's like a big journal. Mm -hmm. This it's like provided to you. You cannot lose this. It, this is you have to keep it locked. Oh, oh shoot. Yeah. I'm like, I like meet with someone, I get like their signature, their stamp. Oh, their thumbprint, everything. Yeah. Wow. Like, oh, that's sick. Yeah. Oh wow. You go, Angel. And it's not difficult, it's not rocket science, but you really have to be like every single detail, like the time, the date and everything. Yeah. yeah, it's like admin, like you have to be very careful about data entry. Yeah, yeah. And I will tell you, if you mess up, you have to pay a $15,000 insurance. So just in case you, if you fuck up or something, I'll excuse uh, the cuss, the curse word. If you mess up, uh, you, for example, you can get sued. So they're telling you, you better get insurance for yourself. You better not mess up. Oh, okay. mine was like 15,000 it was fairly inexpensive but still like they, they want you to have that you know I thought that was interesting no just in case yeah is it common to have a mobile notary business like is it common for it to be mobile a uh, uh, very good question so from my understanding notary publics when I used to get them I used to go to UPS or something and you know you pay your your fee and the guy or girl's there at a certain hour I recently found out banks sometimes have a notaries but yeah this idea this concept of being mobile to me was a, uh, I think new just mm -hmm. because I took advantage of the pandemic you know like a lot of places are closed you know people like haircuts like barbers are closed you want haircuts to come to you so I'm like you want people you want to make people's life easier I decided to incorporate this notary business like yeah I could have like a an office or I could have had people come to my house or my mm -hmm. but I think going to them and having this uh, mobile model was like the best thing that could have. So I decided to move forward with the mobile notary. But I did think about not having the mobile on it. But I'm like, I think that's what makes it unique. And yeah, yeah. Now I was gonna say it's a, it's a good selling point for you. And in the future, what you could do, you could franchise your company, so you could let people become like angel mobile notaries under you. And yeah. then you can have an app one day with a bunch of like little notaries, like where to find them. That'd be it. Idea. I'm definitely gonna write that down. No, because I because I've seen the business model from this company called Jumping Jacks Tax. So oh. the idea is that they're a tax company that serves black and brown communities. So if you want a taxpayer that like looks like you, you know, someone you can relate to, they have that business style, business model where it's a franchise and then they have an app where you can find someone near you. Dude, that's so awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I'm like, if you could do it for notary, you know, do your thing. Right, that, that idea, I think, is gold. Like, if yeah, if you're able to do, like, an app and you're able to, like, communicate with, like, you know, disenfranchised populations, you know, people who don't look like you, who, you know, maybe mm-hmm. don't speak the language. That's also another thing. The mobile part is being bilingual. Like, not only do oh. I speak speakers, but all the Spanish speakers, too. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. In LA, if you don't notice. Mm-hmm. But they are. But I'm telling you, everything is going to turn, like, bilingual, Spanish and English. Because it's just such a huge community of people who speak Spanish. Like, it's so big. And people don't realize that. And what I like, what would like to add to that is, I don't know if you're familiar with the... Um, you, you took sociology, um, a lot of courses. So um, I think by 2050, the the uh, minorities yeah. are going to be the majority. So we're supposed to outnumber like a certain population and it totally can continue to increase. Mm-hmm. The Latinos are taking over. <laughs> in other words, in other words, yeah. You know, what was your first step going into this? Definitely speaking to that that friend or that classmate, that peer who kind of like threw that that idea under my radar. That was step one. Like, hey, there's a possibility. I think step two was when I was working at the Christian League of Aid, I noticed that all these uh, attorneys that we were helping all these clients, they needed a notary. So the, um, the other individual like, hey, just go after this meeting, just go to UPS, go to your bank, get it notarized. But I'm like, what if we have an in-house notary to make it easier? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's my idea. In-house, like, oh, you have them in-house. Um, so yeah, I think essentially it was, uh, I, I saw the idea and then I, the possibility and then I saw the need. So a little yes. bit. Uh-huh. Yes, I tell my students that like find solve a problem. That's mm-hmm. how you start a business. Exactly. And exactly, yes. And so did you have to write a business plan? Yes. Um, so I honestly uh for example um uh, went on I added research. I did like I think four, three hours of research. I, I I'm also keeping account of all this, but I did a few hours of research before um uh starting my business. I for example did the business plan, I looked at other I didn't create it from scratch. I, I don't think that's uh, uh, something that you need. I think you could find, for example, like master boiler templates of other people and just follow their mm-hmm. format. So it's mm-hmm. like, oh, this is, I followed one from this guy who started his own notary business. So for the most part, the business plan is just words. Like I literally wrote down everything like, hey, you know what? The name of my business is going to be this. You know, there's going to be my model. These are going to be my colors. There's going to be the font I'm going to use to promote. There's my website link, you know, like. Yes. Um, my principles like I literally got a paper I went on Google Docs and I just all my ideas I splattered them out even though they didn't make sense I put them in a document yes I yes that's what I did too when when I first started <laughs> yeah I was just I just made a list of a bunch of creators that I like thought would be cool to interview um mm-hmm. so it's crazy huh how like this works and what you mentioned is really big like models copy other people's models i feel like sometimes people get scared think they're copying they should like be completely different but no like people's models have worked to them that to that point and now you can go from where they left off and like make it better that's how it becomes like yours and different definitely yeah i totally agree to that yeah no so that was a good idea and you know walk us through the rest of the steps so like once you created your business plan I know you did an operating agreement and registering an LLC what what exactly are those two things definitely great question yeah so um after brainstorming on google docs and I wrote down everything I decided to um yeah create the business plan which is probably like a two-page document where it's like Hey, you know what? On this day, you know, I decided to create this day to twin incorporation this day. And it's like all this legal language that's really like copy and paste language, just like really just changing a few details. And then after you sign, you date, 
and you just keep, keep electronically. It's not a requirement for starting a business business plan, but it's highly recommended for you to have your ideas and your things in place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, after the business plan, it was an operating agreement. Same idea. It's like you follow a boiler template and then you just pretty much customize it and make it yours. Um, this is more like CYA, like cover your ass type of document, just in case you want to go to the bank or you get like audited or to do your taxes. Mm. Yeah, but you don't need them. Like, honestly, you could operate a business without them. But I feel like if you need organization and structure, start with your business plan, write an operating agreement. It's not it's not hard. No, I agree, especially with um, smaller businesses now who like don't know when they're going to get to a certain point. Exactly. Yes. So, yeah, so after I had those two documents, which I still have on my Google Drive, I decided to go to the Secretary of State uh, website. And then I think I paid like $75 to register my small business. It was like a very, it wasn't too bad. I paid $75. And after that, I think I had to pay like additional $10. It was like $85 to file with the Secretary of State, make it official. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after I registered, I got my, my confirmation letter. I ended up uh, designing a logo uh you know logo marketing materials i have business cards brochures a website um nice, nice. because you have to get yourself out there i also create like a google business page so i have like my information on there my hours oh, uh, nice. phone number yeah and then yeah, I, yeah it, it's like i think it's just from one thing it, it like stacked up to another to another it, like one thing led to another led to another yeah yeah like and that's how it works like you create the instagram you get your link tree like one yeah, step exactly. at a time Exactly. Linktree. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and I know you had to take an oath. So what what does that oath state okay. exactly? Yeah. So once you like uh, register your business or um, or actually once the notary, once you get your like your exam results, because you're supposed to pass the exam with 70 percent or above. Mm-hmm. But that as like you go into like a big classroom and there's like a lot of students and they give you an hour to take a test. It's like 50 questions or something. Oh, OK. Yeah. Um. But after you pass the test, they send you your letter and they're like, hey, you know what? You you passed your exam. Um, you, congratulations, your notary. Await your uh, commission package. And then when that commission package comes, like a week or two later, it pretty much tells you the steps. Like, hey, you know what? You have to take your 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 your, your bond, buy your bond, and then send a copy to like the Los Angeles County Clerk's Office. And then from then on, they want you to um, take an oath. Once they have the, the bond, you're supposed to go in person. But because of COVID, it's, it's, a, it's a mess. I didn't go in person. I'm <laughs> my, my oath oh you so i mailed it in you have the option of going in person to take your oath in front of everybody or they send you a paper where it's like you go to another notary public he conducts the oath and then he just stamps it and then they send it in mail it in oh nice all this like covid it's crazy how covid changed so many things oh definitely yeah and uh, yeah so i did it through the mail oh nice and how'd you feel in that moment um so i was at wells fargo because i went to a a notary there and um the guy he was super cool i just felt like uh, it felt unreal it was like uh, i promised to you know defend the constitution <laughs> and everything yeah <laughs> yeah and that's what i'm saying like i feel like those are huge like stepping stones um just as a person you know like taking oaths and because you like you like it's like that moment where you knew you made it and you elevated yourself no definitely yeah yeah, and at the end of it all, you're like, it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. You know, like you think it's harder, but it's actually very like what you like recite a sentence. You know what I mean? Like get a stamp. No, exactly. Um, and I feel like that's the best part about setting a goal and then going through everything to get there. And when you finally get there, it's just like, I did it. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, but it's definitely one of those moments I'm gonna remember forever. <laughs> yeah. You know, so prior to you offering services, 
what what were like the last things you were making sure were correct and right like was there anything you were doing prior to offering services yeah definitely i think um the whole administrative part and uh, getting everything set with the counting everything was uh i think that the fun part i think the hardest part in my opinion was like the, the mental health component to starting a business um mm. what i mean by that is uh i don't know if you're familiar with this uh like imposter syndrome it's like a very well-known uh phenomenon okay. Yeah, very, so, very familiar. <laughs> yeah. So for personally, I felt that I kind of had to overcome that. Um, it's like, hey, you know, you started a business. Like, am I a real business owner? Like, am I, you know, worthy enough of promoting myself? You know, like, so mm-hmm. I personally, the way I combat that, like, I started having like these doubts, which are, are you know, totally normal. Like, you could be the most positive person in the world, but still, you're gonna come across a negative thought. And then it's like, how do you combat that? So personally, mm-hmm. I was able to um. I have a very uh, supportive uh, sibling, so I usually like talk to them and like, hey, your ideas and like whatever I'm feeling, I go talk to them or, or friends like, hey, you know what? Like I hit up some UCSB friends like, hey, do you want to grab a picture or something or do you want to go out for dinner? And I just let them know how I'm feeling. I check in and they usually give me advice. And I think just hearing their words of encouragement is usually what tells me like. Yeah, no. And I feel like and it's funny. It's crazy that you say this because. I'm like kind of taking on this new project called Wisdom Wednesdays, where every single Wednesday I ask my audience a question. And it's in regards to like life lessons and mental health and just you having a stronger mentality um, in general. Because my whole podcast is like, how do you start? You know, like anything, any project, any business. So with that, this past week, we did like, how do you get yourself out of the funk? And I feel like in the same sense, like you going into a business, there's so much that is happening internally with you that is very uncomfortable that you don't know how to deal with. And sometimes yourself isn't able to to see the work that you're doing and you're not able to move forward because you're so stuck on the fear, you know, and someone needs to be there to like offset it to be like no like you're doing good like because you're right as happy as we can be we need those words of reassurance what i have to say is that wisdom wasn't say awesome i think like teaching you know the youth how to start something like the starting part is the most important thing you could do so i think you you know taking this project on i commend you this is you know very commendable work it's not easy but i think the idea there is amazing i support you 100 percent, and i know you're going to change youths for sure like the future Uh definitely um i'm excited yeah i'm excited for you too i I think you got this you're gonna you know run that program you're gonna do the best you can and i know that it's gonna be it's gonna thrive for sure like Uh no problem about it in my mind Uh uh-huh angel you're so sweet and you know for people out there trying to start a company like yours a notary business how long did it take from the moment you got your idea to you now being able to practice definitely definitely so um like i said i met that girl sarah in my class i would say like fall 2021 no it was winter like january um Mm -hmm. and then i decided to actually start making moves to um become the notary i would say like within that year so it was like within a 12 month span where i actually um uh did everything i did my research i have to you had to like get money orders to take your test and you have to like register for the test and then like send in your background check it was a process but i would say within 12 months i was able to you know get the idea do my research do all the paperwork, submit everything to be ready to go, to be official within like 11, 12 months. Yes. And you know, I like that you say that like 11 to 12 months because it shows that this doesn't happen overnight and you have to commit to it. Um, And you know, for your industry specifically, how much money did you spend to start? 
Okay. I actually have my accounting because I'm going to go to my CPA and do my taxes for my business. But honestly, yes. <laughs> um, and I'm also reading all the tax code, the IRS, because startup companies get a lot of funding. If you know how to all the tax codes. I, I still have my, my books. <laughs> I'll tell you, yeah, I'll, if I have any questions, I know to reach out to you. <laughs> but um, yeah, essentially, like what I knew is like, I had a friend who was, uh, she majored like in master's in taxation or something. She's telling me like, hey, startup funds, you get like $5,000 and then like operating expenses, your first year is like 5000 So that's like $10,000 for you to spend and to get your money back. If you know oh, how to document Yeah. Oh so, my God. Wow, you guys, if you're starting a business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like UCSB. When I started the the you know, the fraternity, we did get, you know, startup funds to, you know, promote events and they paid for everything. It's a matter of just knowing how to move the money around. Oh shoot, I forgot. So tell us so the fraternity you started real quick. Okay, definitely, definitely. So uh, take it back to a few years back in UCSB. Um, when I started there in 2014, um, after step. Uh, I noticed in my experience that there wasn't a lot of uh, fraternities for multicultural people. If you go to UCSB, you're either IFC, white, or you're multicultural, which is like everybody else, Asian, African-American, Latino. So when I got there my freshman year, I noticed that uh, there wasn't any representation for Latino fraternities. There's only like one, I think it was like Nesca's, Theta Nu Kappa. There was, I think, uh, Eskayo. yeah, they got kicked out first. But, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't um, a lot of representation for Latinos. So what I decided to do is I got a group of uh, individuals who were from the same area of L.A. Um, you know, we had same experiences, same backgrounds, same identities, I could say. And we decided to advocate to the university and we started a fraternity on campus. We didn't start one from scratch. We researched and we got a, in contact with a fraternity that existed in Southern California at different schools. But we brought them to our school. We worked with the OSL, the Office of Student Life the national board, and then obviously our chapter, and we were able to establish in April 2016. And as of today, we're still alive, we're good, and uh, it's been six years later, so it's good to know my legacy is still there. Wait, what's the name? Sigma Delta Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, Kappa Chapter at UC Santa Barbara. Yes, Sigma Delta Alpha. Delta Alpha, SDA, guys. Yeah, exactly. Um, quick little tidbit for y'all, but yeah. back to your budget. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So back to the budget. Um, roughly, I don't think I spent too much. Like I said, let me see my Excel sheet here. But I think like startup phone was like literally like seventy five dollars for like a uh, application fee. Okay, I have I have the details here, and also like mileage. You get miles re reimbursed for like house visits. Um, but like roughly, if I had to give you an estimate of how much I spent. It would be like startup fees, like no more than a thousand dollars or probably like 900 less. Yeah. I over the Canva cards. Yeah. The most important thing that you really need is like paying your secretary of state fees, which is $55 for my notary supplies, like the stamp and everything was like $200 and then everything else. Like you could for sure under, I'll say 500, 500. Yeah. Everything else is like excessive because I want to staples and bought supplies for myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> $100 for like the application fee, like $200 for the notary supplies, like $300. Like it's not too bad. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So people know that this is an attainable business for them and it's a really good business. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, knowing everything you know now, is there anything you do different? Honestly, um, no, I, I think I'm kind of happy with the way everything's turning out. Um, yeah. So far, like I made like, you know, like one mistake or anything, but for the most part, like nothing too crazy, nothing too, I think I have everything under control. Um, but yeah, maybe one thing I would be different is if COVID didn't exist, one thing I was thinking is maybe going to like conferences or like any where notaries meet up and connect just so I can network. But other than that, I wouldn't do anything different. 
no you could still do that you know in the future and what advice would you give someone trying to be a notary Try to, try to be i would say do it it's not it's going to be worthwhile um you definitely make your returns without a doubt um and it's something that you could have for four years you know some individuals prefer trade schools i think notary is just a, a route to a profession as well or an occupation um it's not difficult it's something that and i think if you decide to move forward with this you're going to be helping your community you're going to be helping individuals who need your services and uh yeah it's worthwhile for sure and really quick, I, I forgot to ask this. Do you need a bachelor's to start? No, 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 no. I don't even think you need a high school diploma, to be honest. They didn't ask for any of that. Oh, shoot. Oh, wow. They but they do ask you to pass a literacy test. It's like, they think of it like a DMV driving test where they ask you like 50 questions and you have like an hour to answer them. Oh, okay, okay. So oh. if you pass that test, yeah, if you have, you know, there's some people that aren't you know, native English speakers. If you're able to understand and comprehend the material within an hour, you should be good. Oh, shoot. Nice. Okay. And where do you see your company going in five years? So I registered my company in 20, 2011, November, and the commission for four years. So even if I don't you know, move myself or, you know, like sign, I'm still open for business for the next four years. So 2024. So honestly, um, right now I see myself. So I'm working crazy hours Monday through Friday, and I only do notary work on Saturdays and Sundays whenever people like many, many family and friends. Um, mm. Yeah. So I plan to continue doing that like a side hustle, but I also recently um, inquired information about marriage licenses with the county. So I would like to now start marrying people. I am a marriage officiant, so I could conduct the wedding, but I can't issue the license. So right now I'm gonna do a training so I could issue licenses. So people won't have to go to Norwalk or wherever they have to go. So I would, as a notary, I wanna marry people too, so. Oh, yes, yes, Angel, I love it. Cause it's like, you're trying to provide services that are convenient to people who need it in that part of Los Angeles. Cause we know how LA traffic gets, you know? I sit in traffic to go to work every day, like hour and a half, an hour and a half to come back. I work in Santa Monica and I'm from Southeast LA. Oh, oh my God. I, yeah. I already know the 10, the 10. I live by the 10. Like I'm Westchester, like, right? Westchester? Probably, I'm probably like 20 minutes away from Westchester because Westchester is near LAX. But yeah, that's where I went to high school, actually. I remember that. I, I do remember that, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. What advice would you give your 15-year-old self about following a passion like this? I would just tell myself just to do it. Do it. Don't be afraid. You're going to make mistakes, but making the mistake is not the worst part or the important part. The important part is what you do to re- to bounce back. Uh, how do you, you know, handle failure? How do you, um, you know, for example, how do you get back on your feet when you fall? I think that's the most important thing. The best teacher is life is how the saying goes. So I think... Um, uh... I like that. Definitely. Just be open-minded, be welcoming, you know, just, yeah, just do it. Like the Nike sign says, just do it. And then you'll figure it out eventually. Yes, I love that. And, you know, are there any song lyrics or quote that you live by? Yeah. Um, I, I, I So I'm actually uh, big on um, quotes. I'm an English major. So I've done, oh, yeah. I have on my blog. Hold up. Let me, I'll read it to you. But it was for the civic engagement writing minor. We were supposed to like create a blog and um, I, I put I blog every day. Not every day. I used to back then. I'm big on bi- uh, the Bible. I read the Bible. So I blog about uh, the Bible quotes, how it resonates with me, how it's applicable today. But yeah, I, I'm very big on um, my faith. But yeah, one quote I would like to share with you is um, the same by J.W. Van Gogh. I learned this from the civic engagement class. So it really stuck with me. And that's why I kept it. But it's knowing is not enough. We must apply. Willing is not enough. We must do. 
Ooh, yes. Yes, because a lot of people can watch like, okay, and by a lot of people, I mean myself. I watched this podcast called Earn Your Leisure for two years, two years before I even started doing something. And it just shows you that you can't just consume information. You actually have to apply it. You have to do it. And like experiences is where you learn making those mistakes. And you don't make all those mistakes till you do some sort of action. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. It's a process. It's really, it's a trials and tribulations. Like you learn as you go. Yeah. No, well, thank you, Angel. You're so amazing. Oh, you're amazing. Yeah. Just hearing everything you're doing. It's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you made it this far, definitely hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram and TikTok. It's at Hidden Jewels Pod. That's H-I-D-D-E-N-J-U-L-Z-P-O-D. And recommend this podcast to anyone you think would be down to listen to it. Definitely hit me up and nominate Hidden Jewels that you want to see on the show. And of course, stay tuned for more episodes. I'll see y'all later.